but we really do need to have these conversations now. And it's not about hurting people's feelings because there's people losing their lives. Hello and welcome back to Reflecting Value, where we ask the big questions about cultural value in a reflective space. In this special episode of our Culture and Health series, Dr Emily Zobel Marshall hosts a conversation with five cultural leaders from Leeds to reflect on their experiences of working within the cultural sector as women from ethnically diverse backgrounds and how this has impacted on their own well-being. Emily is a lecturer in post-colonial literature at the School of Cultural Studies at Leeds Beckett University. She is also vice chair of the David Oluwali Association, a charity committed to fighting racism and homelessness. Emily was joined on Zoom with guests Karanjeet Kaulverdi, Chief Executive and Artistic Director of South Asian Arts UK, Amanda Huxtable, Director and Creative Producer, Dr Sharon Watson, CEO and Principal of Northern School of Contemporary Dance, Kathy Williams, Director of RJC Dance, and Kali Thiare, Creative Director and CEO of Leeds 2023. You can find full biographies for each of today's guests within the show notes for this episode, as well as a list of resources that explore the topics discussed in more detail. And just so you know, the conversation will feature discussions about the death of George Floyd and its impacts both locally and more far-reaching. I'll be back at the end, but for now, over to Emily. Now, on May the 25th, George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man, was killed in Minneapolis while being arrested for allegedly using a counterfeit bill. During the arrest, Derek Chauvin, a white police officer, knelt on Floyd's neck for about nine and a half minutes while he was handcuffed and lying down. This led to Floyd's death. And in the wake of Floyd's death, we saw over the summer of 2020, a huge momentum in terms of people demanding that black lives matter. Now, our five black and brown guests today, cultural leaders in the North and nationally, put together a message of solidarity entitled A Message of Solidarity from Lee's Black and Brown Cultural Leaders. Now, I'd like to read to you um, a part of that message of solidarity. As black and brown women leaders in the city of Leeds, we are no strangers to the systematic structural issues of racism, sexism and inequality in our society. Our own personal experiences mean we know firsthand the impact of racism that can have on individuals, on our families and friends and on our wider societies. Over many years as female leaders in the creative sector, we have actively sought in overt and discreet ways to change the damaging cultural narratives that dominate. Through our creative practice, we have made work that reveals the stories and lives of our diverse communities, our rich heritage, our unseen talent and our passion for life. Like many of you out there, we carry huge hurt and sadness. We are with you in solidarity and with an open heart. We send our condolences to George Floyd's friends and family at this time and demand justice for his community. Black Lives Matter, together in solidarity. And this is signed by our five guests um, that are with us today. So I'd like to begin just by asking you to tell us a little bit more about the decision to write this message of solidarity together. Perhaps uh, we could start with uh, you, Amanda. Well, for me, I, re- I remember Kathy's organisation 
RJC, um, not being able to dance that day or for the following day. It was a really massive impact. You know, it's like actually for us today, we cannot get up and do what we do culturally, spiritually. You know, we're going to take care of our community ourselves and really just take time out. And it really resonated actually that some of us within uh, this story uh, were physically, um, you know, uh, affected. My next move was a conversation with Cully. I think it's a text actually. How are you doing? How are you? Just reaching out to check in. And it rolled from there. You know, um, it, it, you check into your next, and I'm sure Cully then contacted Curran, and, you know, and then we contact Sharon, and it's, you know, what are we going to do? And what I think is really wonderful uh, with that first personal check in was we then went to, to work, which was, um, <laughs> writing a collective document between five powerful minds, you know, and, and, and being very open and very quick about what we wanted to say spiritually, but also what we want to say honestly. And that takes, you know, uh, some doing because we all have our own take on things. Um, but, I've, you know, that, that's kind of my understanding of that historical moment because it did feel historical, um, you know, just making a mark and making a point of what we wanted to say. So that's, that's my version of it. I'll, I'll hand over to Kuli. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. Um, it seems like a lifetime ago in some respects and uh, only yesterday in others. Um, I, I suppose for me, it was really uh, recognising that we were all in it together. And actually what was remarkable about us as leaders in Leeds is that there is no other place in the country that you could pull five women in significant leadership roles who are black and minority ethnic that that could speak together in this way, I don't think. But also it just seemed to me that, you know, yes, we could individually make a statement, but what was the what impact or effect could that have? And by by coming together, there was something much more powerful to be said. And, and actually had a huge uh, that statement had a huge ripple effect. Uh, not just because of what it said, but because of who was saying it and the city that was saying it. Um, you know, you might have expected it from other cities in the country, but it wasn't coming from other cities in the country. It was coming from, from Leeds. And I think that in itself said something quite dynamically, powerfully, and uh, allowed us to have a voice in the, in the narrative, I suppose, that we might not have had in quite the same way had we tried to do this singularly. And you feel in the wake of that coming together to write that statement that you have, you, you that you're 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 working together, or you feel a sense of more solidarity with with each other as cultural leaders, uh, in in the city. Well, I think that was a particular catalyst that brought us a particular conversation into play. But in the context of our own well beings, we have long histories that connect us to each other by way of supporting each other by being able to know that there's someone who understands perhaps a bit more clearly the role or the journey you're on, the challenges of, of leadership roles, the challenges of doing jobs in the art sector, the challenges of just existing as artists. So uh, I think those those threads are strong anyway, but I suppose this catapulted it into a very particular position. I think that moment, that that very moment where 
we all experienced and 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 were able to see what was taking shape you you completely felt you felt vulnerable and to reach out to to other colleagues that were able to to kind of give you the the, the support and the platform to keep standing um in a way it was just almost it it revealed some of those scabs that we've buried or we've put to one side or we've disguised and i also realized that that was just that was only that was me at one point but actually the rest of the community the rest of my community it's like god how 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 are they how must they be feeling right now um and to be able to reach out and find the solidarity which i think is vital but also realize that we stand as leaders in our in our current positions and that there'll be others that be looking for that kind of solidarity so to be able to extend the conversation to be able to extend the sympathy the empathy the you know the discussions around what was taking shape became a key part of our of of the mission in a way without realizing that was the 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 job to be done so it felt really important to find other voices that will enable me to kind of use my voice to the to them to the maximum and you know we found that in the solidarity of our voices together but also understanding that our reach goes beyond our community our reach goes beyond our locality thank you sharon and um and kathy do you think you know do you think that within the sector in the in the cultural industry sector that that is enough being done um to support you know people from diverse ethnic backgrounds and women in short no it's 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 very challenging. It's challenging as a woman. It challenges a, a woman of colour, a black woman. And we still see and experience the glass ceiling. And it's real. Yeah. We can't, we, it, it cannot be ignored uh, anymore. Karanjit, would you ag- agree with Cathy's point? Yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, it is that situation where, you know, as a woman, you're you're battling and um and for some reason that that, that glass ceiling and and in a way, um my experience has been in my upbringing with my parents as etc. There's this being this this level you're supposed to reach, you're compared to your British white counterpart to be as good as, so it's either good as a man or good as as British counterpart. So you're battling with that within yourself and your own sort of psyche and attitude and towards that. But then within the industry themselves, I think they're very ignorant. Either they choose to be ignorant and don't go and really understand or um or they, or they just turn a blind eye to it so in the end you end up having to find your own mechanisms to to find that energy to how do you address some of the issues that you might have to deal with so the five of us coming together for me was um a godsend in some senses because yes we were coming together you know through a terrible terrible event that took place but at the same time and we, yeah, like Colly said, we've all known each other and Sharon and I, we've all sort of known each other through time and through our journeys, etc. But this coming together and actually those threads weaving together to become actually a lot stronger. Um, and wanted to be sure that, yes, we were angry, but how did we channel that upset that we had within ourselves in a very positive and in a peaceful way? to make those solid changes that our predecessors had got us to a certain point, event took place, now how do we move forward, but do it together, but it, with solidarity, but in a peaceful, 
strategic, I think, would be the word that I would put to it in, in our approach to what we're going to be doing. It's inspiring to hear that you have formed, in a sense, a, a support network amongst yourselves, but also that those support networks are not necessarily in place elsewhere. And you're all involved in the culture industry, in the arts. Do you think that the arts and culture can be used as a platform to tackle these issues as a form of calling for social justice? And and if that is the case, what needs to be in place for the arts to be able to do this? I I might um, uh, go back to Amanda. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a spectrum of understanding of what your input and contribution is to change. And there are going to be some people who uh, are still awakening or not, you know, still sleeping, dozing in a coma, not really interested, you know, art for art's sake. And that is their choice. And then there's those of us who can't even work within the system itself and are just doing their own thing underground, deeply making sure change, you know, they're the, the ultimate revolutionaries. Clearly, you know, for, for me, in terms of my, my kind of interest, that's why I'm in the arts, you know, looking and thankfully because of the, um, you know, we have text and we have visual arts and we have poetry and we have, you know, the, the, the recording of, we, we, can, we can reach to those to save ourselves. So Linton Quasi Johnson's words on the Bradford police station talking about, you know, uh, the, the, the people that need to, to be supported in terms of, of um, revolution is, is something that I reach to you know it's important that we remember that you know that the likes of you know uh, just my own personal work Marcy Lane's bag lady you know we were making conversations back in the day when we unfortunately this is not the first time we've been here which is why we were sick and tired Trayvon Trayvon Martin was uh, a young man that we spoke about in bag lady and we had the awful conversation which is do we change the name every time this happens and we chose not to 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 mark the moment to see how long this had happened and Mr George Floyd was the one where where it was absolutely you know the the world just said no more and some people decided that or realized oh hang on this happened before so it's joining the the conversation the contribution and the action against that I mean so there's absolutely culture is for me that is the purpose to make change, to make, you know, extraordinary, to tell the story of our humanity, you know, to tell the story of where we are right now. Absolutely. That's so beautifully put. And Kali, I, um, I was, uh, you're, so you're leading Leeds 2023. And do you feel that in, in the wake of the protests over the summer and, and, and the responses to George Floyd, that, that there are positive things afoot in the city? Because there is a sense, isn't there, that if it's left to black and brown people to try and change, you know, the structures of our institutions, that you suffer from exhaustion, you suffer from burnout. Are there structural changes afoot in the city to make this to make it a more um, egalitarian uh, platform and 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 how might 2023 feed into that i know the david ulawali um, sculpture garden um that is planned um for the city of leeds so there are some exciting projects afoot but i was just wondering if you could tell us a bit more yeah it's a, it's a complicated landscape isn't it um to say the least i mean i think that um you know, the opportunity afforded by a city coming together and saying it wants to place culture at the heart of its, you know, both the heart of its recovery because of what's what's happened with COVID, but also understand that we want to celebrate all that is rich 
about the people and places that encompass the city, you know, from the, the centre right through to the to to the neighbourhoods and the edges of and the boundaries and beyond. So there's something really exciting about being able to have a responsibility in a leadership role to be able to say, well, what does that actually mean for all of our communities? If we genuinely want to really reach out, connect and enable participation, engagement and an ownership of a cultural year, what does that look like? And and for me, that looks like more than just what we frame as traditional cultural activity and traditional cultural stories, because there's a huge amount of you know, creativity in the city, in all our communities, in all sorts of ways. But sometimes the narrow lens of what arts is disempowers whole segments of our community. The fact that we didn't, you know, we weren't able to continue with our bid to be European Capital of Culture. Actually, what that does mean is that we can really think about reframing what culture is for us as a city you know, embracing all aspects of it beyond the traditional art forms. And that's very exciting because the collisions of grassroots creativity and engagement colliding with, you know, our internationally renowned artists and creatives is is extraordinary. You know, the mix of sport and art and physic, physical dance and, you know, all that and, and the different languages, you know, the celebration of all of that is really possible by liberating ourselves from the norms in some respect and the second is um is that actually my own lived experience whether that's through the lens of being working class or whether that's through the lens of being an indian woman or whether that's through the lens of you know um having spent a substantive part of my time in yorkshire and therefore being imbued in the yorkshire grit whatever those things might be it it does mean that I see the world slightly differently from many of my colleagues who've who've had these sort of leadership roles in the past. And so inevitably part of what I want to do is create an opportunity through the year to, to enable everyone to kind of stand in other people's shoes, see see stories and perspectives from other ways of and and, and if one of the extraordinary things about the art is that actually it's allowing us to as Amanda says to think of to interrogate our own humanity and and it's sort of like a dress rehearsal isn't it when you sit in a in a you know and watch a show sometimes it's possible in the safety of your seat to experience a world or a rehearsal of life in front of you without the pain of having to live through it or the the joy you know there's something extraordinary about that sort of sense that the art allows you to enter into a world of the imagination and that is freeing and possible and full of dreaming. And that's what is thrilling about it. The challenge is that we don't do enough of it. The challenge is that that, that sense of what that, those stories are and what sits within our canon of work is limited and narrow and Western. And part of our job as leaders has been to sort of say, there is more to us all, more complex stories to tell, uh, that have universal appeal and that's part of our job as theatre makers, dance makers, visual artists, whatever, to sort of make that complexity play out in our working in our city. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I wanted to kind of see how that echoes with Sharon, you know, and, and in your work, Sharon, that idea of telling stories which are not 
considered part of the traditional canon that uh, that might challenge um, existing narratives. Do you find that the city of Leeds is, is is supportive in the creation of that work? Is it exhausting having to do all the legwork to 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 make these things happen, or or has the city? Um, changed and and become a much more supportive space for these narratives to be told? It's an interesting question, Emily. And um, I think uh, what I found really fascinating is that none of us are inexperienced in the work that we have been doing. We have been championing the kind of the, the narrative of, of inclusivity, diversity, um, through education, through theatre, through dance, through music, through literature. And I think the fact that Leeds has continued with, with Leeds 2023 as, a, as an opportunity, um, it's making some very bold and brave decisions. And I think they need to be recognised in terms of what it's doing and what it's achieving. Some of the work that I've created has, has actually been challenged in a way that there's a denial around some of the events and the uh, activities that have happened. And it's that's the hard lifting. That's the hard bit where you're creating the work and telling the narratives, but you know that there are still those that are in positions of power that choose not to acknowledge, choose not to support, and actually question you to the realities and the truth of which we create the work. So the frustrating thing is that there are systems that enable them to have the power to do that, to challenge those, those narratives that are often judged through a Western eye um, and not really given the space to grow, to educate, and actually to be side and, uh, sidelined and marginalised. So we get diverted in terms of doing strategic jobs that enable us to diversify our energies and actually find new platforms in which we can challenge the status quo. We have a lot of systems currently that are created to continue producing what it's already done and penetrating those where actually they just seem very, very, I mean, the glass ceiling is one of them. We know what that looks like. We know what it feels like. Um, and how we manage to step through that is is really a, a conversation that we talk about all the time. Um, so looking at those strategies and thinking, how do we become the crown jewels that the government talks about? Because it is us that's made those crown jewels. It is us that we, you know, the gems that need polishing don't get polished because of the strategies. The gems that are actually out there that people need to feel and see and hear and work with are not part of the bigger picture, but we can't step away from it. And I think that's one of the areas that was really satisfying when I called out and we called out together to say that actually, guys, we need to keep going with this and we will support each other to just to lay bare some of the inequalities that we're experiencing. It's taken COVID for us to kind of land in this space where I can say to someone, you have no idea how inappropriate or how negative, or how, how the lethargy is sitting in. And to be able to say that on a platform and actually walk away feeling, yeah, I think that was the right thing to do at, at this moment in time. We can't wait another nine minutes and 48 seconds for another person to lose their life for us to have these conversations. But the conversations have to be had. We have to yeah. be open and we have to be transparent. And it might be a little bit painful, but sometimes the truth does hurt. The work of RJC Dance reflects the black British dance language, and not just as a style, but as a strategic narrative, building legacy, recognising ancestral data and cultural ancestry. We cannot keep defending our culture, our history, our 
heritage. We need to celebrate, we need to acknowledge, we need to document and we need to understand. And it's important that there is an understanding. We have to learn from each other. We have to give respect. And and that is the only way we're going to move on. We have to be compassionate, obviously, but we really do need to have these conversations now. And it's not about hurting people's feelings because there's people losing their lives. We're being challenged every day as black and brown people. We need to celebrate the things that we do well and we need to learn from the things that we don't do well. Kathy, do you feel, you know, that in your own work, do you think the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement has created perhaps a, a, a shift which is born of great tragedy, but actually could lead to a much more supportive, creative space? There is a shift, but it's a shift that needs to keep moving. We can't keep stopping. It's what happens. We have an event. It's here and then it's forgotten. It's slowly forgotten about. And we've got to continue to keep it in the forefront. It is so very important. The arts and culture influences societies by changing opinions. It also installs values and translates experiences. And those are one of the things that we have to do. We have to translate the experiences that we have so people understand and can support us and can become allies. It is so very, very important. I wanted to ask uh, Kranjit how that reflects in your own work um, with uh, uh, South Asian Arts UK. I think from what Amanda was saying that, um, you know, arts um, it's an opportunity from which we tell stories. And it was like Kathy was saying, it was about celebrating. Sharon was saying about challenging the status quo, like Cully was saying. And I think, you know, this tragedy and the tragedies that, you know, Kathy's also mentioned about that comes out, it is an opportunity. It's opened a door. It's opened a space where we can actually have an honest conversation, but actually challenge some of the things of what I've experienced in the past. So, for example, historically, from when I returned back to Leeds um, and um, took up my post in um, at South UK, it was as an administrator. So I was getting to know the game. I came out of a commercial world into this sector, um, into this particular culture ways of working and and that kind of thing. And I think through the journey that I've had for about 20 plus years now, I've gone from being very ecstatic when somebody's approached us and said, oh, you know, please come and do this piece of artwork with us and all the rest of it and slowly, and you'd feel so excited and, and everything. And then after a number of years, I realised I was just ticking boxes. And every time we were approached, it was about, oh, um, we haven't got any money, but, you know, it's a great opportunity for you to get your audiences. And, and the more I worked in it, the more I realised that actually... I'm tired of ticking your box. And it was only then that you realise, actually, I value what we do. I value the the diversity of what we do, the enrichment that we bring to the tapestry of the cities, wherever we work, wherever that country might be, etc. And actually, there's a price tag that goes with it. And actually, I then started having the conversations quite boldly saying, if I'm ticking a box, it's going to cost you this much. But if you're collaborating with me, then let's talk about it differently. And I think these recent events, the pandemic, etc., has allowed us to have this platform to say, actually, you know, with confidence, this is what we do. It's taught 
me, myself, about the value of what I do and the value of the art that we do and actually the importance of it and how it um, allows people, and I come from very much a place of empowerment. So where I see something as a story, I also see empowerment about how do you empower the next generation or in, in fact, empower each other to actually be able to step out and say, you guys are risk averse. You need to think about it. You want me through your door. You want people like me through your door. You need to think about the cost of your seats, how you treat us when we walk through the door, How what art you actually put on. I've had experiences of where I've been approached, oh, we're programming. Would you like to do this? And every time you go with a date, no, they want to put you onto the period where no one is going to go, that you're never part of their central program but they want you there, but just on the end of their seasons because they're ticking a box about cultural diversity or inclusivity. And and that to me, this opportunity and this time has allowed us to say, no, we're not ticking a box. We have this to offer. You need to take some risks. We will help you to know how to take those risks. We will help you to understand our cultural nuances, but you really need to change your approach and I think that's going to take a long time so institutionally yes um we're still the romantic well I can only talk this from a South Asian point of view you know you still get that whole thing about oh the uh, that oriental approach about something from India come on for heaven's sake we've been in the UK for pre nine since Queen Victoria brought one of us a lot across here into the UK. We've been here, we've been serving up Indian food, you've been eating our spices since that time. Don't tell me that you're still viewing us through this oriental glass. Get real, we are here, we do what we do here and we are part and parcel of British heritage and culture. Well said. <laughs> I'd like to give you an applause. And uh, and I'm sure that, and I, and I love, you know, the line that you say there, you know, I'm not here to tick your box. I feel there's a, a poem or a, a title of a play in that. I wanted to, to turn towards uh, Amanda and, uh, and Amanda, you know, how does, how does, um, what Karanji says uh, resonate with you and your in your practice, you know, this idea of your work being given a, a space, but merely perhaps a diversity box ticking exercise. And also what is the difficulty of confronting uncomfortable truths on stage? And, and also that question of, is there a shift? And perhaps this shift isn't because anybody's created new opportunities in the wake of Black Lives Matter, but because you have come together in, in solidarity with one another. Unfortunately, the, the tick box conversation has been had for 10, 15 years. You know, for those of us who are aware of that, this is not new. We have been well aware. It's just knowing about it in your own practice. So you know something's not quite right. And then, of course, more people vocalise that and share that. And then it kind of it becomes, it becomes, a, um, it becomes a trope, like the state, you know, BAME itself. But if you're not part of that conversation, then, you know, you're, like I say, it's a spectrum of understanding. And if you are central to that conversation, which is you're the one they're going to be used to tick that box, you see the patterns. It's like, you know, um, we have been fortunate enough to witness the patterns and then share our own understanding. And then you go, oh, yeah, we know what that is. You know, and and, and everybody thinks they're the, the, the first ones to invite you to become part of a board membership without real depth. You know, kind of like, oh, by the way, I, I, thought, and I always say to people, you know, and what is it about my practice? that you are wanting to be new part of. And they go, 
sorry, you can't hear that, can you? It's silence. Um, when I trained in my in my in my my role as a as a, I came as a performing artist, I realised that my aunt had some skills. You know, she could tell a story. The value of my own cultural heritage is something I've always lay, you know, kind of balanced up with what I learned from institutions. And that I think is one of the most important things that we come to with this lived experience, that Western viewpoint that Kuli keeps mentioning, you know, understanding that there is another and that we bring that to it. And that means that you're more than, you're not less than, you're not less than, you're not trying to access something that you, you know, that's the thing that I think is being exciting about our um, journey together here as, as leadership group. It's not, not that we are, um, we realise the value of us because people are always trying to get the gold. Thank you, Amanda. You know, that's uh, so well said. And I, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask each of you, um, what do you think, you know, going forward, um, what greater responsibility can everyone take to, in, to try and ensure that there is a, a nuanced approach in the cultural sector? I guess my, uh, my request would be to everyone to, to ask the question of themselves, what difference can I make? Where can I make a difference and act on it? Because it's everyone's responsibility for creating equity and opportunity. We know that talent, you know, talent is everywhere, um, but the opportunity to make the most of that talent isn't. So in whatever role you're in, what difference can I make and what and what is in with, within my control to make that difference, you know? Um I think that's the most powerful thing you can do, a step at a time. I mean, it's very easy to say, oh, it's, I can't control that. I don't know how to do that or I don't understand that. But actually, sometimes it's through making the mistakes that you have the greatest learning. So trust it, be authentic, you know, but take the responsibility to make that difference. For me, it's, I think we have to, you have to dissect the thing cultural, cultural and then sector. So generally, I think sector, when you refer to something as a sector, is an economic measure. And so until that attitude towards the value of culture changes away from the economic to the creative um, investment in everybody equally and having a right to um, express themselves and be creative, and uh, until we can actually challenge the institutions to say, take a risk, the bums on seats for my production are not going to be the same as that other one that you meet your bottom line at the end of a financial year. Until those institutions don't start to change that and be less risk averse and be willing to take a calculated risk and know that it's a long haul to achieve the same economic returns on something, you're not going to get that change. So I think there's some conversations that need to be held about how this, how the work is valued, how culture is valued, and how it's not measured against an economic outcome, but actually against the the well-being of the human race, that that actually has a knock-on effect on less people going to doctors, less requirements for the better health, better mental health, because people have a sense of identity, a sense of belonging, a sense of being valued as an individual that then has a knock-on effect on the community or the people or the family, the people around you, irrespective of which walk of life you actually come from. So I think there's a long haul to go. But I think as a group of five of us, we can start to have those kinds of conversations and actually challenge the valuing 
of a, an intangible for a long-term tangible outcome that's measured differently? I have 250 students of whom the majority of them are not, uh, are of a, a kind of a, either a British, white British, um, European, and a few international. Now I have a tool there and I, I'm kind of taking away the person, but I have a, an opportunity to educate in a way that perhaps um, feeds into the sector in a way that we maybe have not done before. I'm, I am probably one of a few um, chief executive principals that has that ability, that power right now to be able to make change and to educate. I don't see that we're a risk. I think the language that we use has to be changed. We The language is loaded and it's loaded in a way that's, that doesn't enable us to have the freedom. So, you know, those young people need to know that when they work with black and Asian people, that, that's that's an equality. So to be able to say that, you know, the one thing I would say is my mum has this saying, she says, take the shame out of your eyes. And it's about what you see and what you do and how you your honesty of humanity becomes the, the kind of the levelling up the value that we have. So to be able to start there and to be able to inform others, to educate, to educate my staff, to know that how we can communicate can change what we do. So, you know, the, there's, there are some very simple things around communication, but actually the honesty of people to say that we are equal, we have equality within what we do. That's just, that's a starting point. We're not asking for anything more than the, the kind of the, 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 the equality of, of people, first and foremost. Respect me as a human being and we can start to journey from there together. I, I feel that there's um, absolutely no room for ignorance. It is no longer an excuse. I think we all have a responsibility, um, culture to cultivate, to nurture, um, which is important, and to, and to educate and especially for our children and young people. At the end of the day, whether you're running an institution or an individual within that institution, because, you know, that's where we are, it's about knowing the context we're working in, actually aware of what the change is required, and it's, you know, change from here, because we all recognise that whatever this is, is not good enough, and really making action and pushing forward in that action. There's no, you know, this is the time now to not be complacent, not accepting of, you know, where we have been. It's just not good enough. We need to move forward in a better way for not just our own individual, you know, health and well-being, but for the but the best for our nations. You know, United Kingdom could be in such a better place and and be contributing to a global picture in a stronger way using our cultural gifts and practice. Um, you know, in a in a real way, not pretending, not tick boxing, but for real. Uh, what what a wonderful note to end on, Amanda. You know, and that idea of uh, this is not the moment to be complacent, but this is the moment to push forward. Um, so thank you so much, Kali, Karanjeet, Sharon, Kathy, Amanda, for a fantastic discussion. There's a lot to take away from this episode and reflect on. And I'd like to extend my thanks to Emily, Cully, Sharon, Kathy, Karanjeet and Amanda for such an honest and open reflection on their experiences. I'd be really interested to hear your reflections on this discussion and you can share your thoughts using the hashtag ReflectingValue on Twitter. This has been the first series of Reflecting Value. You can now listen to all four episodes from this series wherever you find your podcast. We'd be really interested in hearing from you about how we might develop this podcast going forward. You can find a feedback form in the show notes where you can share your thoughts on the first episodes and what you might like to see in future series. 
And remember, if you want to stay up to date with the centre's activities, make sure you sign up to our mailing list and follow us on Twitter. This has been Reflecting Value, a podcast from the Centre for Cultural Value, and I've been your host, Robin. Until next time, 